Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the delicious podcast, Extra Portion, with me, Jilly Smith. This week, Sheila Dillon, the legendary presenter of Radio 4's The Food Programme, reflects on its place in food culture as it gets ready to celebrate its 40th birthday next year. And we talk about the rise of the food podcast, bringing new, younger and more diverse listeners to stories about food. And as our own delicious team sets off across the country in search of potential produce award winners, Sheila talks about the role of awards in telling the stories of small producers to an increasingly food-aware audience. I began by asking her if it feels like a legacy. It does and it doesn't. Um, It never feels like that from the inside. You know, there's always something new, there's always, we're fighting things, you know, the political structures change, the BBC structures change. I don't know what the exact figures are, but between 60 and 80% of programmes on Radio 4 are going out to bids and the food programme will be on that list quite soon. You know, we're, we're now in the process of thinking, you know, what are we? What do our listeners want us to be? Um, do we have faith in the kind of things, you know, that we, the, the sort of essential principles, I suppose, that we've lived by, that good food matters, that food is a democratic right, that there ought not to be um, mucky food for people who don't have enough money and don't have enough advantages and good food for the rest. Because if you think of the food program, it came out of Derek Cooper's idea. I mean, the first one was, you know, as you said, nearly 40 years. It was in 1979. And Derek Cooper was, you know, one of the original Bollinger Bolsheviks, you know, like Raymond Postgate, who started the Good Food Guide. He was a socialist, a historian, a classicist, but he believed that good food was for everybody, you know, like bolly for all, and Derek was the same, and that's, that was the beginnings of the food programme, and so, you know, that's the question we're asking. You feel to me much more political, much more democratic. Uh, you, Sheila Dillon, but also you, the food programme. It feels much more campaigning. It spearheaded a lot of the interest in local, seasonal, sustainable. The Food and Farming Awards have done an enormous amount to put small producers on the map. Um, you know, Delicious has, has kind of started championing that with the Delicious Produce Awards as well. Mm. There's a lot of people who have really benefited from what the food programme has done. But I wonder if that is just feeding middle class people. Well, I, I, 
I, gosh, that's a, a very complex question, mm. Julie. Um, I think that campaigningness is 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 still very important because because we're still dealing with the the same attitudes. You know, you just said, you know, are you? Is it about feeding the middle class? And that has always been in Britain a way of shutting down conversation about food. You go, oh well, it's for the middle classes. It's not. You know, I don't actually see what has changed so profoundly in our society that makes it all right to say, well, actually, the working classes. You know, they, you know, they really want to eat um, crisps and and takeaways. And I mean, it just seems incredibly condescending. You know, people have been de-skilled and they are paid a lot less. You know, so many of the food problems that, that we talk about on the food programme have to do with inequality, you know, not having enough money. Absolutely, and I suppose that that leads us on to one of the issues with podcasting, the democratisation of food amongst mm. podcasts. Perhaps the answer about the middle-classness of the food programme is that it's on Radio 4. <laughs> and Radio 4 isn't necessarily listened to by the, the, right. the yeah. wider population. Yeah. Food podcasts are actually getting food issues out there amongst all yeah. sorts of people, younger people more importantly as well. Yes, although I think our own you know, downloads, podcasts, um, you know, they're listened to by a much younger audience than the traditional radio for. Yeah, I mean, that is that is a problem, and it's, of course, why, uh, you know, we're going through a lot of changes at the minute, trying to make the programme more um, welcoming to younger our younger audience. And, you know, the food programme is in the top 20 of all BBC podcasts, which gives me heart that we are... You know that we are succeeding. I mean, I'm about to start. Well, I've started yesterday making a program about jollof rice with um, a youngish. <laughs> I was going to say young um, DJ musician, um, and you know we're, we're we're experimenting with different formats. You know, I mean we're listening to a lot of American podcasts and looking at that informal. But I mean the way you do it, you know, the informality of you know, it's a, there is a long. You know, you began by asking about a legacy. The legacy is a certain formality, and we're trying to keep the seriousness, keep the intelligence, keep the campaigning, keep our eye on that food matters, that food is a way of understanding the world, but do it in a more friendly way, I suppose. Mm. I, you know, I never thought I was unfriendly, but. Um, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's difficult to sort of veer off the format. I was listening to a lot of podcasts on the train up on the way here, and I was listening to The Food Chain, which is another BBC programme, but it's on the World Service. Excellent, I think. Younger, more informal, faster paced. But actually, the journalism is really key to the quality, and it's about trade secrets. Fascinating, mm. you know, going behind the doors of chocolate companies and finding out what the secret recipes are. But it was done in a very, very engaging way, and I can imagine that it would bring in a new audience. I wonder if that's key to extending the reach of BBC programmes and BBC quality programmes to a, a wider demographic. I think it, yes, I think it is. I mean, I think the head of radio in Bristol, where we're based now, who has been our editor and quite recently, 
Her central idea is that, you know, while we make it more informal, while we make it available to a much wider audience um, through podcasts, um, you've got to keep this, the, the good journalism. Because if you don't, as you said, you know, there are dozens, hundreds of food podcasts. So if ours is as... If it sounds like them, why would anybody listen in particular? Let's go back to the Food and Farming Awards because I think that's one of the big issues about reaching out to younger and different demographics. You're talking to a lot of farmers, a lot of people who might have given up their businesses. I do this a lot with Delicious, with the producer slot as well. They might have changed their career because they want to feel passion in their life. They want to do something that they yeah. really believe in. And they go through a lot of hardship, a lot, you know, particularly if you're a fisherman or a farmer or, a, or even a craft brewer. You know, It doesn't always work well in the end. Have you noticed, I know that you look at ratings a lot or your bosses will, have you noticed that you've got a different listenership because of something like the Food and Farming Awards? As far as we can tell, yes. Um, you know, the, the programmes that we do um, around the Food and Farming Awards, you know, are very popular. And I think a very wide audience finds them very moving. And um, I know that's a funny thing to say, but um, they are. I, I mean, they're moving. they're moving because of some of the things you just said. That, you know, here is um, a whole representatives of a generation, you know, leaving the city and high tech work and media and, and deciding to make cheese or brew beer or make charcuterie or bread or and because they actually want something that matters in their lives. And you know, I've for the last few years have judged the producer category, you know, which means going through thousands of these nominations. To you know, to make a long list, to you know, eventually get down to three, and it's just astounding. I mean, I have seen the growth of a bread culture in in Britain. I mean, it's astounding. Mm. Ten years ago, there were, you know, you could count them on two hands. I mean, I'm probably exaggerating slightly, but but now there are hundreds and hundreds of them. You know, beside the ones that get nominated for the food awards. You know, they're all making fantastic sour uh, doughs and they have relationships with farmers and kids go in and learn to... And, and honestly, this year I felt rather cynical. You know, I'm looking through 150 of these just on bakeries and I'm thinking, OK, you make great sourdough, you've won this award, you've done this, and what else? You know, because how am I going to choose yeah. the one that is going on the shortlist? Yeah. I mean, of course, it matters greatly to that particular producer, but actually what's so lovely for the listener is that each year you hear more and more and more wonderful success stories of small producers there's more to engage with more people going to farmers markets more people cooking more people spending time talking about food more food at music festivals in strange places you know really good quality food and the overwhelming feeling is that britain has an extraordinary food culture i wonder how much you can put that at your door well sounds like boasting you know which we're not good at, right? But, no, I mean, I think, you know, in the years at the food programme, we asked questions that other people didn't think about. I mean, one in particular, I remember, I went round um, Cumbria um, with Peter Gott, the pig farmer, and um, I think we got Andrew Sharp involved as also another farmer. And, and um, 
we went into restaurants and hotels and you know we had a cup of tea and looked at the menus and then we asked them where their lamb came from so outside the windows there's Herdwick sheep you know been there since the Norse were here and on our plates was lamb from New Zealand and they all said oh from New Zealand of course and then we I remember calling up the the main um, tourist authorities in Scotland and England and Wales and the regions and said you know, is this one of the things that you, you are pushing? You know, that the food in the, these areas, you know, would reflect the landscape and the and the farming. And they just said I was mad. I mean, what a stupid question. I mean, of course you wouldn't. What's that got to do with anything? And you can just think of that. It's probably twenty years ago, and think of it now. Yeah. You know, you go to the Lake District, you expect to eat Herdwick yeah. and Ruffell yeah. and etc. etc. And, and as we approach Brexit, it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that Britain could brand itself as a high-welfare country with yeah, an excellent could. local... We yes, we could. I mean, Michael Gove says, you know, that's going to be the way, and, you know, there's no way we're going to roll back standards, but how long will Michael Gove last at DEFRA? Usually DEFRA ministers move on rather swiftly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the test will be how, how well embedded in our culture is quality food. You, know, you say, it, you know, that things have changed and we have a food culture. You know, but we, we have a very strong junk food culture too. And, you, you know, you, you do talk about that. There was a very interesting programme that you did a couple of weeks back about doctors. Yeah. Um, I've been banging on about this for years. You yeah. know, why don't medics learn about nutrition at, at medical college. Those kind of programs, they, they trickle down, the, the impact trickles yeah, down. It does. What do you think about the, the, the message making that comes from somewhere like Radio 4 and its power to have an impact on the rest of society? Well, I, I wouldn't categorise it like that. I mean, I think if whatever message, it's a very powerful medium. Um, radio and it is listened to by a lot of middle class people but also a fair number of people that we would put into a different social class. I suppose I want the feel, to feel that the programme challenges those, you know, that it isn't just you know, that we should all eat good quality food you know, that if those that can afford it I want the idea to get out that we should, you know, all of us have the right, we, sh- we should all acquire cooking skills because if you're poor and you can't cook, you really are up a creek. So, yes, Radio 4 is a powerful shaper of attitudes, but I hope the attitudes that we set out to change also challenge this idea, you know, of it's all good ideas, you know, or middle-class ones, and then they filter down somehow. You stumbled a little bit there on the, the word message. Messages sound like propaganda, don't they? And, well, and, and that's a point. That's an interesting point. Of course, nobody's going to to accuse the food program of uh, putting out propaganda. No, I don't but know. There Some people a, have. Well, sure. But these are delicious listeners. These are all food yeah. fans, and they're yeah. probably fans of the food program as well. But there is some message making, and there is a policy. You do have a policy, don't you? In the way that we do it, delicious. Yeah. You know, it's a, well. It, yes. I mean, it is the one which says good food matters. Mm. You know, that it's not irrelevant. And you mentioned the medical program. I mean, we are in the middle of a horrible medical crisis because 
the policy at government level has been that food does not matter. You know, you can have lousy school meals, you can cut cooking, um, domestic science or whatever it was called, home economics, and in schools. You can do all these things without consequences. Well, you can't. You know, there are consequences. And there are consequences to having a free-for-all so that, you know, what, what policy, food policy people called an obesogenic environment, i.e. you can buy chocolate bars absolutely everywhere you go so that you, you know, it would require the, I don't know how easy you find it, but, you know, if I'm waiting to pay for a, you know, a piece of clothing I've bought, you know, I'm standing there looking at a bar of chocolate, mm. you know. Absolutely. Or buying my newspaper. Would yeah. I like a galaxy with my paper? No, I would not. Yeah. You know, but do you feel positive? I mean, you know, we're looking yeah, I do actually. Because yeah. partly because I'm in the middle of the we're in the middle of the food and farming awards. Um, I've been to two, and I'm off to the third one um, on Thursday. And I always feel positive when I you know I read these nominations, and they're amazing. And in the last week, we were in um, Cumbria in Penrith, uh, talking to the woman who started Country Puddings, I think it was 2000 or 2001, and, you know, from her kitchen, her farm kitchen, and just seeing what this one woman's fascination with puddings, love of puddings, and how she's built this company. I mean, it's, you know, half a million turnover, you know, which isn't gigantic, but it's... It shows, I mean, she's a model for what you can do when you, you follow your own interests, what you really love, but you have high standards. And, you know, there she is turning out these puddings which are off to Dubai and Hong Kong and you can buy all over now. Yeah. And there are lots and lots of those people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they are independent producers, but they are banging the same drum as you and me and a number of other people who are doing this now. You but they're also changing the economy. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, you know, your interests and mine are often dismissed as somehow trivial to the greater picture. But, you know, think of two, two people who've won the Food and Farming Awards. E5 Bakery in East London has now, I think it's 64 employees, one bakery, mm. producing fantastic stuff. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was down in Barry, you know, with a decaying but now reviving seaside town outside Cardiff and the Hangify girls you know who had a little stall doing barbecue and they won the street food award and their lives have just taken off yeah. and you know the place is it's, it's a little economic hub it's helping to change the economy of a place I mean these 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 quality food producers that can be so easily dismissed as not being as important as you know premier foods or so on they actually are they employ a lot of people they do and Sadiq Khan said at the Borough Market Awards that London's biggest industry is now the food industry it employs more people than any other single industry that's just Absolutely. London um, you know I would say that Wales where I grew up I mean I grew up in Abergavenny I mean it's it's Did you? yes and it is and totally changed country, largely because of its food. Wales was very keen to find its identity through language, mm. but actually it was sitting on very great riches in its food, and it found it, and it began to brand itself through food. Ireland too. Um, yeah, we just came back from... I mean, last week's programme was based in Northern Ireland. Yeah. And we started talking 
about the fears that you have about the future of the food programme, you know, the indie producers, you know, pitching in with their food ideas where you're going to be on your 40th birthday next September, not your personal, the food programmes. <laughs> if, <but> only, <laughs> if only, yeah. What do you want to be doing? I'd like the food programme to be still this place of intelligence, good journalism, where the producers and presenters are not afraid to go off-piste and do odd things. Um, you know, the, the programme you mentioned about the medics, and you know, you and some of, of us have been banging on for years about why doctors you know, haven't got proper training to deal with these diseases and often you know we've been outside the zeitgeist but perhaps we've done more to change the zeitgeist so that you know these doctors it can seem like a a sensible and in fact enlightened and necessary thing to do so I hope the program whoever's running it in Indy or in-house will will still have that that the BBC and Radio 4 will have confidence that that is still worth doing. Thanks for listening to Delicious Magazine's Extra Portion. You can find out much more about all things delicious at the website deliciousmagazine.co.uk and while you're there do subscribe and get every podcast delivered free to your podcast app. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.